What we're going to talk about today is surviving mistakes. Now, I don't know about you guys. Should I take a survey? Have we all made mistakes? I mean, you know, do I I really need to ask that question? Do we really need to raise our hands? Yeah, I mean, man, I, I mean, I've made some little ones, and then I've made some doozies, right? You know, okay, and and you know, sometimes it's it's kind of in some ways simple things. It's something we said, or we didn't say, or we did, or we didn't do, right? Okay, and some of them, you know, have kind of minimal. It would seem consequences. Some of them seem to have pretty big consequences, right? And so the real issue is is not are we gonna have we made mistakes or, or are we gonna make mistakes? Right? The real topic for us today is when it happens, how do we survive it? And how do we and how do we use it and we move on? So, you know, the last few weeks as we've been looking at the book of Joshua, um, boy, you know, there's there's been a few kind of clear lessons, okay? And I really like the clear lessons. I like the ones that are just easy to understand, okay? Not that they're easy to do, but they're easy to understand, okay? What we've kind of seen in the last couple of weeks is, is two really clear paths, right? One is when there's an issue, you consult God, and it would appear like the Battle of Jericho things, you experience victory in your life. Consult God equals good decisions and victory. Okay? We've also seen the other side, which is do not consult God. Go on your own. Do it under your own power. And like at AI, experience defeat. It just seems pretty clear. Okay, so hopefully we kind of start to see a pattern emerging. And like I said, we'll kind of, I think if we're all honest, we'll agree that our lives are no different from that. Uh, Here's the real issue with this, that the enemy will always try to distract us and deceive us. Right? Right at that point when we ought to be consulting God, when we ought to be saying, you know, you know, God, what should I do here? Right? The enemy will try to make me feel really smart. How about you? I mean, the enemy will try to make me all of a sudden feel really smart. Or he'll try to make me feel like, you know what, Steve? You know, you, you know you've, you've made a few good decisions in your life. You could probably just handle this one on your own. Besides, this one's not that big. I mean, you're going to really bother God with that? You know, just come on, man. Just, you know, kind of, you know, it's kind of the man up. Make a decision, right? And, and what he'll do is he'll put things in front of us. He'll give us ideas that actually appear pretty good. They actually appear pretty logical. They appear pretty, pretty plausible. They look pretty reasonable. And so what can happen is we start to think, well, okay, yeah, I'll just handle this myself. That's kind of when we need to read and remember Psalms 3, 5 through 8. Okay, Psalm 3, 5 to 8 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Here's the part. Do not lean on your own understanding in all your ways. And in all your ways means in all your ways. That means in all the things you do, right? It means all the time, every deal. Submit to him and he will make your path straight. Because when we don't go this way, that's when we set ourselves up for some really big mistakes. So today as we read Joshua chapter 9 and study it, that's what we're going to see that that happens, okay? Uh, Good news is we can learn from this and we can apply it to our lives and we can be different, right? We can live our lives differently. So uh, as we mature as believers uh, and we seek to, like, survive these mistakes and we learn to move on past them, The first thing I want us to see today as we start to read Joshua chapter 9 
is the very first thing we got to do when mistakes occur is we got to understand what happened. We can't just, you know, slough it off and move on. We need to understand what happened. So to help us start that, I'd like us to, uh, to go to Joshua 9 and look at verses uh, 1 to 15. If you've got your Bibles, please, uh, please open them. Uh, you can follow along. You're free to open them. Uh, you can follow along. It'll be up on the screen, up on the wall, or uh, on version. Okay, so we're going to go to Joshua 9. I'm going to start with verses 1, read to 15, and I'm reading in the, uh, the New International Version. So you're welcome to follow along. Uh, it says, now, uh, now, when all the kings west of the Jordan heard about these things, and what are these things? Well, if you remember the last couple of weeks, it's the Battle of Ai. First, the, the Israelites got routed. Okay? Then they went back, uh, and, and then they won. Right? Then, then God, they, they sorted out the problems. God gave them a plan. And they had victory in AI. And then they had a pretty big worship service. Okay? They kind of had a big praise and worship service, right, on Mount Ebal and Gerizim. That's what we saw last week. So, so they've, remember now, uh, you know, we've been doing this a week at a time, but kind of, you know, in, in real time, right, this is just over, it's been a few days since they crossed the Jordan, right? And they've, and they've had victory at Jericho. They've had the initial defeat at AI. They've had the subsequent victory at AI. And they've had the worship service at, you know, in Ebal and Gerizim, okay? So this has all been happening. And so now when it says, now when all the kings of west of the Jordan heard about these things, that's what it's talking about. When they heard about all these things, the kings in the hill country and in the western foothills and along the entire coast of the Mediterranean Sea as far as Lebanon, the kings of the Hittites, Amorites, Canaanites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites, they came together to wage war against Joshua and Israel. However... When the people of Gibeon heard what Joshua had done to Jericho and Ai, they resorted to a ruse. They went as a delegation whose donkeys were loaded with worn-out sacks and old wineskins, cracked and mended. They put worn and patched sandals on their feet and wore old clothes. All of the bread in their food supply was dry and moldy. They went to Joshua in the camp at Gilgal and said to him and the Israelites, We have come from a distant country. Make a treaty with us. The Israelites said to the Hivites, But perhaps you live near us, so how can we make a treaty with you? We are your servants, they said to Joshua. But Joshua said, Who are you, and where do you come from? They answered, Your servants have come from a very distant country because of the fame of the Lord your God. We have heard reports of him and what he did in Egypt and all that he did to the kings of the Amorites east of the Jordan, Sihon, king of Heshbon, and Og, king of Bashan, who reigned in Ashtaroth. And our elders and all those living in our country said to us, take provisions for your journey. Go and meet them and say, we are your servants. Make a treaty with us. This bread of ours was warm when we packed it at home on the day we left to come to you. But now, see how dry and moldy it is? And these wineskins, they were filled with, they were new when we filled them. But see how cracked they are? Our clothes and sandals are worn out by the very long journey. The Israelites sampled their provisions, but they did not inquire of God. Then Joshua made a treaty of peace with them and let them live, and the leaders of the assembly ratified it by oath. Okay, a couple of weeks ago, you remember when we looked at Joshua 7 and we saw that consequences, you know, the, the talking about Achan's sin, we talk about what Achan did, the consequences can actually have an impact beyond the people, you know, the, the one who just does it, 
okay? In Aiken's case, 36 soldiers, right, who didn't really do anything wrong, lost their lives, and in fact, at the end of it, Aiken's whole family suffered for what he did. Uh, uh, today, we're going to see that the consequences can actually carry forward into the future as well. So as we read that, uh, you know, we kind of see in verses 1 to 3 that these kings of the Amorites, the kings, all these kings around them, the Hittites, Amorites, and others, they, they had not only heard about Jericho, but they'd obviously heard about that initial routing at Ai. And whatever had happened, it had emboldened them to believe that the Israelites were at least under some circumstances not totally, you know, uh, invincible, that they could be defeated. And so as a result, they had decided to come together and to get ready and to attack them. But today we're not really studying that, but that's what started off by saying. What we're studying is another group of people, the Gibeonites, who decided to take another route. They, they decided to go a different way in dealing with the Israelites. And, you know, you kind of have to give the Gibeonites some credit, don't you? They were, you remember when we talked about Rahab before the Battle of Jericho? You know, Rahab when she heard the report, because it started off here saying that these people had heard the report of what God had done through the Israelites, when Rahab heard the report, what did she do? She pleaded with the Israelites for her safety and for to allow her family to live. She, she kind of like came and opened up and said, look, you know, I, I, I want to work something out because I, I, I want to be on the side of God. You know, I don't, I don't want to be fighting God. I want to be on God's side. And so th she had made that type of arrangement with him. But unlike Rahab, uh, who pleaded for mercy for herself and her family, the Gibeonites says that they had recognized what God had done through the Israelites, and they didn't want to fight him either. But rather than just coming and, and saying, hey, you know, we want to plead for mercy, they decided to commit a ruse, right, to, to come up with a deception to try and try and win their freedom. And then as we go on, you know, through verses 7 to 14, we see that uh, without a doubt, the Israelites took some precautions, right? They asked the people uh, where they'd come from. You know, they, they, they said, you know, are you near us? No, no. But, what, but whatever they asked them, they, they finally, they allowed themselves to be convinced by what they saw. They allowed them to, themselves to be convinced by the moldy bread and the worn out shoes. Verse 14 says, they sampled their provisions, but they did not inquire of God. This was a really good, the literal translation of that verse. And I thought, man, this really applies to our lives, okay? It says, the mouth of Yahweh, the mouth of God, they did not seek. The mouth of God, they did not seek. Matthew 7.15 tells us, we need to watch out for false prophets because they come to you dressed in sheep's clothing, right? Now, this isn't, this isn't false prophets, but this is false. This is people coming, bring a false message, right? And so they come to you dressed in sheep's clothing. These guys came to them dressed in old worn-out clothes, right? They, they, man, you know, they, they probably went to the back of the closet, you know, found the stuff they'd had 30 years ago, right? You know, worn-out old clothes, and that's what they wore, to make themselves look like they'd come from a great distance. But the people relied on what was visible. And how many times in our lives has what got us in trouble was not 
It was because we didn't believe what God had promised. We didn't believe what God's word said, but we believed what we saw. Okay? The enemy is really good at putting stuff in front of us that looks scary. He's really good at putting in front of us, in fact, otherwise, things that look really appealing. One way or the other, right? Scare us or, or draw us with things that, that look really appealing. But whatever those things are that he does, they're not what God's word says. And so the danger we get into sets us up for big mistakes is when we go along with just what we see, but we don't inquire of God. We don't bring it before God and ask him, God, what do you see? What, 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 what's going on here? And what do I need to know? You know, maybe the Israelites were on, still kind of on a spiritual mountaintop, right, from their victory at Ai, from their great worship service at, you know, at Ebal and Gerizim. Maybe they were having one of those moments when, because that happens to a lot of us, right, as we start to feel pretty good about ourselves after a victory, we start, you know, a, a good meeting. You know, it's a lot of things in our lives, right? At work, you know, you have a good meeting, uh, you know, the day goes well, uh, you know, you've been on the phone with a customer and you solved the problem. And, you know, you know what I mean? You know, the, there's little things that go along, right? And all of a sudden, you're kind of feeling good. Kind of feeling like, you know, I'm, the day's going really well. And, and right then's one of those dangerous moments, right? Because all of a sudden, something comes up and you're kind of feeling like, I got this. You know? And, 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 but what we really need to do is remember that trust in the Lord don't rely on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and let him make your path straight. When we go before God, we say, God, what do I need to know here? What am I not seeing? What, do I, how, how can I, what is it that I can't know but you know and it can keep me from making a big mistake here? God will always honor that and will meet you there. James 1.5 is a pretty encouraging verse for that, and it tells us that if any of us lacks wisdom, we should ask God because he'll give generously without finding fault to anyone who will ask him. So when we think about understanding what happened, the bottom line is really this. It's the Israelites started off on their big mistake by not asking God, by not inquiring of God, right? By just using their own intelligence, their own experience, and what they saw. They should have asked God for wisdom. And the Gibeonites, like Rahab, should have come and, and asked for mercy instead of you know, they should have come clean. But here's, the, here's like the double problem. Neither party acted properly, did they? Neither party did what they should have done. Israelites should have inquired of God. The Gibeonites should have just come and told the truth. But they didn't. And it created consequences for both of them. So once again, we're going to, you know, we're going to understand what happened. Uh, you know, look, when we make mistakes, what we've got to do is once... We, we dig into it and we understand what actually happened, uh, what contract we signed, what agreement we made, what payment we've signed up to make. You know, I mean, it can come in a lot of different forms, right? Uh, we get to survive those mistakes, uh, eventually what we have to understand is that, that we have to understand what happened and then we have to act with integrity. And that's where both of them failed in that case, right? The Israelites didn't didn't look at God, and the Gibeonites exhorted, resorted to a ruse. So let's read on in Joshua 9, verses 16 to 21. So they made the oath, right? And the assembly leaders ratified it. Three days after they had made the treaty with the Gibeonites, the Israelites heard that they were neighbors living near them. 
So the Israelites set out on the third day and came to their cities, Gibeon, uh, Kephura, Beroth, and Kiriath-Jerim. But the Israelites did not attack them because the leaders of the assembly had sworn an oath to them by the Lord, the God of Israel. The whole assembly grumbled against the leaders, but all the leaders answered, We have given uh, them our oath by the Lord, the God of Israel. We cannot touch them now. This is what we will do to them. We will let them live so that God's wrath will not fall on us by breaking the oath that we swore to them. They continued, Let them live, but... Let them be woodcutters and water carriers in the service of the whole assembly. So the leaders promised to them was kept. Okay, so Joshua and the Israelites had uh, treated the Gibeonites and their story as a matter of logic, right, rather than one of spiritual insight. And as a result, they made this big mistake. Fact is, the Gibeonites only lived short distance away, three days, in the area where God was in the promised land where God had given them direction, we want you to wipe everyone out. This put the Israelites in a bind because they had sworn an oath of peace with the Gibeonites, but it put them squarely at odds with the direction that God had given them and commanded them to do. So have you ever made a really big decision, a really major decision in your life, and you didn't consult God? I mean, okay, this is beyond big mistakes. This is the big, the big decision you made, and you did not consult God. And, and, and maybe it was minutes later, or, or maybe it was a day or two later, or maybe it took a month. You know, who knows? It depends on what it was, right? But at some point, a short time later, you realize that your decision was really, really, really a bad one. And you really, really, really regret it. No, do you know? I mean, have, have, okay, I think we've all been there, right? Uh, you know... Look, you know, to make matters worse, right, the Israelites, you know, when they hear about it, they get all, now they get all, you know, riled up, right? And they, they head off, we're going to head off to Gibeon, and we're going to, you know, and when they get there, we're going to make this right, okay? They, they, the people actually are angry, and they want to take back the oath, it says, and they want to attack the Gibeonites. It says in verse 18 that the whole assembly grumbled against the leaders of Israel. Look, but the, Isra- but the leaders did say, look, we made a peace treaty with these guys, so we can't, we can't attack them. Look, the reason I ask you if you've made those decisions, because those, it's tough, isn't it? I mean, when, when all of us have made some decisions, we've made some commitments, only later to find out this was a bad one. I have made a terrible mistake. One of the first things we tend to want to do is say, how do I get out of it? How do I get out of this? How do I back up and reload? Okay? Now, sometimes, you know, we can, but sometimes we can't. Sometimes we've signed our name somewhere that, you know, doesn't erase, right? Sometimes we've, we've made a commitment that isn't just, oops, I can do something about it. Look, there, would we all agree that there are times when honoring our commitments, are not, it's not an easy thing to do? Yeah, yeah. But that's what the leaders of the Israelites said to the people. They said, look, guys, we can't touch them. We cannot touch these people. We must let them live. You know, Psalm 15, 4, uh, it starts out by David writing, Lord, who may dwell on your holy mountain? 
And then, and then there's several things he, it, it lists. And it says, well, who can live on the holy mountain? Who can, who can be in the presence of God? A person whose walk is blameless, whose tongue utters no slander, who, he who honors and fears the Lord. And then listen to this. He who keeps an oath even when it hurts. He who keeps an oath even when it hurts and does not change his mind. So the Israelites decide, okay, we're going to honor our oath. We're going to honor our commitment. We're not going to kill them. Okay? But the Gibeonites are going to pay a price. So in verse 21, they say, okay, we're going to honor our commitment to you. We're going to let you live, but you're going to become woodcutters and water carriers for the whole assembly. The Gibeonites, when they came to them, said, we're your servants. They, they were, I mean, they were halfway there, weren't they? You know, I mean, they, you know, kind of like, you know, Rahab made a deal with the Israelites, right? She, she kept them safe and then kind of made a deal, but she, but she w- was completely transparent in what she was doing. She said, I want to live. I, I, I want to do this, but let me live because, and save my family. The, the Gibeonites approached the Israelites and said, we've heard what your God did. And we don't want to be on the wrong side of it. We're your servants. And they could have stopped there. But they went on and made up a story about we live so far away. Look, we we have to understand what we did wrong, but then we have to act with integrity. If we want to survive our mistakes, we, we need to live and act with integrity. Uh, the words we speak are powerful. We've talked about that a lot of times. And, and they carry consequences. So as we, as we act with integrity, uh, we have to learn that that means honoring our commitments, whatever they are, even if it hurts, even if it costs us money, if it costs us time. Whatever it was, our words matter, and they carry consequences. So for us, Look, while none of us likes problems, right? In fact, I mean, I don't think any of us get up in the morning, you know, and kind of go, I think I'll make some really bad choices today. You know, I think I'll, I think I'll really get up today and make some bad choices. And you know what? I think I'll also throw in a couple of serious mistakes, <laughs> you know, just for good measure. And, and, you know, if I really get up early and get going, I could probably have all that wrapped up by lunch. You know, I can, I can really get things messed up, you know, and then go to lunch and, you know, we'll start sorting it out. Okay, look, I, I don't think any of us go that overboard. I don't think we're that silly. But we've all done it. We've been there. We get caught up in the moment. And, and maybe somebody, I remember one friend of mine years ago who leased a car. You know, he leased a car because he thought that was the car he needed to drive. And about three months into it, when the payments were, you know, bleeding him dry, you know, he realized that he had leased too expensive of a car. Okay? And he went back. I remember he told me. He went back to the guy and said, i got to get out of this. And the guy goes, kind of not my problem. I mean, you know, you know, you get out of it any way you want, but you keep paying me the money. Right? You know, and, and so then he's caught. What do you do? So we may have done that, or we've charged. <laughs> Here's one I know none of you are guilty of. You know, we never, like, have charged too much on the credit cards, have we? <laughs> I 
No, no, no. That, that bill comes in the mail. No one's ever had a bad surprise there, right? You know, had to, you know. But, but oh, I, I needed that TV. Those shoes look so good. No, you know, I mean, look, whatever it is, we all got our moments, but we've, we've made some bad choices, right? We've, we've, we've done some things. Uh, or here's one, if, if, if you're all better than that. Uh, you, you've, an acquaintance has invited you to go somewhere, and you decided you'd go only a short time later to get an invitation from a close friend to go somewhere else. And you... Oh, I'm sorry. I won't be able to go with you. I have to do my hair tonight. No, they didn't ever believe me on that one, you know. And, and no, I mean, we, then we start saying, what, do I gonna, what am I going to do? And, you know, look, there's all these different levels of significance, right? I mean, there, there's huge things and there are these things that don't seem so important. But at all levels, we've given our word, and then later we regret it. And, and so really, a good question for us to ask is, if, if I act with integrity here, and I honor my commitments, whether even like, like, like the verse said in Psalm 15, I honor them even when it hurts, even when it costs me something then, you know, a fair question is like, how can any good come from this? Right? I mean, how can anything good come from this? Well, okay, so once we've kind of dissected the deal and we've learned where we, where we turned off, where we went wrong, and we've decided to put aside our preferences and honor our commitments, the last thing we need to do then and it's the answer to that question of how can anything good come from it is the final thing we need to do is we need to ask God to redeem the situation. We give it to God. I mean, have you found yourself in a mess sometimes when you would say, I don't, I mean, I don't know what to do. I, I'm willing to honor my commitments. I'm willing to, but, but it's still a mess, you know? It's still a mess. And, and if I'm going to live this way, I'm going to try to honor God. I mean, you know, I don't know what I'm going to do. And I want to give us some encouragement here. So let's finish by reading Joshua 9, 22 through 27. So starting with verse 22, it says, Then Joshua summoned the Gibeonites and said, Why did you deceive us by saying we live a long way from you? Well, actually, you live near us. You are now under a curse. You will never be released from services, woodcutters, and water carriers for the house of my God. They answered, Joshua, your servants were clearly told how the Lord your God had commanded his servant Moses to give you the whole land and to wipe out all its inhabitants from before you. So we feared for our lives because of you, and that's why we did this. We are now in your hands. Do to us whatever seems good and right to you. So Joshua saved them from the Israelites, and they did not kill them. And that day, the Gibeonites, he made them woodcutters and water carriers for the assembly to provide for the needs of the altar of the Lord at the place that God would choose. And that's what they are to this day. For the Gibeonites, their redemption, right, God's redeeming, it was pretty straightforward. They had acted deceitfully. Fortunately, the Israelites, in the end, decided to act with integrity and honor their commitment to spare their lives. And, and they had already said, we're your servants, and so they just gave them their assignment. You're going to be woodcutters and water carriers. 
Interesting thing, okay, think about it. That they were doing that in service of the whole assembly, and they were doing it for the service of the temple. So now all of a sudden, remember like when Rahab and her family get to live in the midst of the people? Okay, well, now the Gibeonites get to come live in the midst of the Israelites. Well, what does that mean? I mean, let me make it a simple example for us. It means come, come to church with them. They get to see what's going on. They get to hear what's going on in the worship. They, they, they are watching people who follow God walk out their lives. And so the Gibeonites get exposed to the Word of God for the first time in their lives. They they'd said they had heard stories, but they didn't really know the whole story, right? They didn't know everything. And now they got to live in the midst of God's people, fully exposed to the Word of God. And that gave them an opportunity, if they chose, right, to actually live and act as followers of God. So a pretty good redemption for them. Not only were they not killed and allowed to live, but they actually got to like come, come be a part of the group and, and live amongst the people and be exposed to the Word of God. For the Israelites, God redeemed the situation for them as well by freeing them up. I mean, they still had the whole promised land that they, had to, they needed to conquer and deal with. And, and, you know, we've talked, hey, we talked about it when, when we talked about the well that we dug in, uh, we gave the money to, to dig in, uh, in India, right? I mean, so many stories of how, how long people spent every day just going to find fresh water and bring it back, and it kept people from going to school. It kept them from being able to hold other jobs and support their families. Well, think about it. Uh, these folks had to find fresh water as well. And so to, to have these people to handle the woodcutting and the water carrying in that day was a big deal. And so it, gave, it freed up the Israelites to go and focus on the conquest of the promised land. There's one other interesting thing to me. Uh, you know, there's kind of a thing with God that when God, when God does it, it kind of stays done. Right? I mean, when God gives you a job, you kind of got a job. You know what I mean? When, when God calls you to do something and you do it, it kind of works out. Okay, well, okay, when God, when God gave the Israelites to Israel and, and they, they acted with integrity and they honored their commitment and they, and they allowed the Gibeonites to live and to serve in the temple, to serve the people, you'd kind of, you know, and the, and the Gibeonites had said, we, we've, we know who your God is. So then you wonder, well, did that exposure to God make a difference? Well, fast forward way past the end of the story. In fact, move almost 900 years into the future from when this took place. And this is now where the Israelites are returning from their captivity in Babylon. Okay? And in the book of Ezra, as people are coming back to Jerusalem, they record that there were descendants of the Gibeonites still serving in the temple. Isn't that cool? Isn't that cool? 900 years later. That, so do you ever wonder if the decisions you make matter? Do you ever wonder? Look, there are things that all of us are faced with every day. And we can say, what does it really matter what I decide? Who will know? What, what will it affect? It's just me. It can affect generations. Our decisions, our actions, living with integrity, 
honoring our commitments can unleash activities and decisions that can, that can have an impact for generations to come. It would appear that the Gibeonites became followers of the one true God because a few people who made a mistake, the leaders of Israel who, who should have sought God, who, who could have done better, but they didn't. They made a mistake. But when confronted with it, rather than getting even, rather than getting mad, rather than taking matters in their own hands continually, they acted with integrity and they honored their commitment even when it was tough to do and when all those around them weren't happy about it. But they stood firm, acted with integrity, and as a result, it would appear that a whole group of people came to become followers of God. It's a classic example this story for our own lives. Because when you boil it all down, this whole, this whole passage we've read today is a classic example of a good man, Joshua, a good man with good training and operating out of the best of intentions making a terrible mistake because he depended too much on himself and not enough on God. Look, we just want to leave here today and realize one thing, that there is nothing in our lives, nothing, that's too small, too trivial, or too obvious to bring before God. Do not rely on your own understanding. Lean not on your own understanding. In all things, acknowledge God, and he will make your path straight. So the key for us to be able to move forward and to receive all that God has for us is for us first to learn from our mistakes by figuring out what, what happened, Move forward with integrity by honoring the commitments we've made, accepting the consequences of those actions, and finally, by asking God to take your mistake and not only to apply his cleansing forgiveness, but also his healing grace. And in that way, it turns your mistake into something that ultimately will bring him honor and glory. Would you guys stand with me and let's pray. So today, just ask everybody, just bow your head, close your eyes, no one looking around. It's a private moment. It's a private moment. It's a moment between you and God. Just a question for you. What mistakes are you still holding on to? What mistakes do you need to turn over to God? If you've if today there's just something you need to turn over to God, just privately, just, just lift your hand. Just say, God, I've got, got some stuff I'm holding on to. No one looking around. It's just private. It's just private. Amen. 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 So right now, just take a second and just tell God that you're ready to give it to him. Lord, we thank you that today, God, that, uh, Lord, we've all made mistakes. But, Lord, our desires, we want to survive them. Lord, we want to learn from them. But, God, along the path, we want to be people that act with integrity. Lord, we want to be known as people of integrity. And, Father, I pray that as we act with integrity, we would also ask you, Father, to redeem those mistakes. And, Lord, I pray that today, even today, as we turn some of those big mistakes of our lives over to you, 
Lord, I pray that we would start to sense and feel your redeeming touch. God, I pray that you would use, Lord, us in new and fresh ways, Father, as we are those, are those men and women, Lord, that are willing to be guided and directed by you. Lord, thank you, Father, that sometimes our big mistakes, we survive them, Lord, in order to be examples and counsel to others. God, I pray that we would be mentors and willing to share the things we've learned with those around us. I pray, God, that our lives, Father, would live out each day into your honor and glory. So, Father, now today, thank you for this time we've had in your word. Lord, I pray that uh, the things you've begun in each of our lives, Lord, that you would just seal them and bring them to completion. In Jesus' precious and mighty name, amen.